0: Welcome to Holy Shit. My name is Dan Taylor. Uh, This is your first time here. You are in for a treat. This is a story wherein I tell a Bible story to some friends, and then we talk about the Bible story and uh, try and make some sense of it in our contemporary world. And then at the end of it, we ask the basic question, should we toss this story? Should we tame this story? Should we turn this story up? and uh this is the fifth episode and we are uh, very excited to have some good friends here so uh first guest uh uh amazing friend of mine stepping in at the last minute is uh is dave ray welcome dave ray thank you thanks for having me dave ray uh got the call 50 minutes ago and was doing uh, and either stopped what he was doing or was <laughs> doing nothing <laughs> I, well, I
1: I was actually in a meeting with my uh, uh comedy group and uh I was like partway through the meeting I'm like we're not going to have a show in several months so uh <laughs> goodbye and then I just...
0: <laughs> So uh for those of you that are listening to this uh Dave Ray graciously stepped in for for uh comedian Noor Kidwai who was supposed to be on and uh he, uh, he hurt his back and is now at a hospital to deal with his back, which is a choice at this period in time. Like, if like, you, yeah, like, cause I've had this where I've like heard a thing. I hurt my knee the other day and I'm like, is this hospital worthy knee? And I decided no, but Noor like sent me a picture from the hospital. So, so uh, prayers or thoughts or whatever you have, good feelings, uh, send them Noor's way. As he recovers from a back injury, Um, I'm also very excited about our next guest, uh, Canada's sweetheart.
2: uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) Put your
0: hands together for Charlie Demers.
2: Thank you. Thanks very much for having me.
0: I have a weird thing with your name because the first time I heard your name, Steve Patterson was saying it, introduced you to the debater and the debaters. So whenever I say your name, I hear Steve Patterson's voice.
2: Yeah. And, and Steve is, uh, I mean, it's one of these unique situations where I've known Steve and known him well for a dozen years. And he, he always says my name wrong. And I don't like it. It's a very, uh, like we're very good friends. And I just, uh, uh, it's, uh, but yes, he's he's. It's at least it's a it's a nice voice to hear when you hear <laughs> oh, my name. Okay, uh, then I got it wrong too. How are you? Well, no, no. Hear? You actually said it. You actually okay, said good. it right. He okay. always. Um, the, one of the problems is he has drift between possible pronunciations. But it's it's one of those things where it it is. I mean, it it's a it's a it's a word that is mispronounced in any language because it's 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 a it's a Quebecois name. That's right. in French, but is mispronounced by the rules of French, from France, French. Right. So my cousin once had a fight with a substitute teacher from France, who uh, said, uh, was reading the attendance sheet and said, Josiane Demers, and uh, Josiane said uh, Demers. And the teacher said, oh, "No, no, 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 no. Demers. <laughs> Only people from France will correct you on the pronunciation of your own last name. Um, but uh, <laughs> you just kind of you you pick your preferred anglicization. And so we've always in my family we've gone with with demers. But okay. there's a just you, there's an accepted spectrum that I think runs from you know demers all the way to demers,
3: right. and then."
2: And then you get outside of that spectrum into the Demirses, and the uh, those are the ones where I think, well, now you're just you're creating with what we've given you. Like there's no Demirs organic
0: or indigenous to the name. And you also go with Charlie. And I mean, you have you have Charles up here, but like you you seem to use Charles and Charlie a little bit interchangeably. And I was talking about this with Charles Haycock long, long ago that I love the name Charles because it has an indeterminate number of syllables like yes yes (laughs) like it's either one or it's two and no one can be quite sure at any time how definitely
2: (laughs) definitely it is the it is the y of vowels to uh consonants of uh mono to uh, (laughs) duosyllabic names yeah yeah, it is uh it is so Charles was chosen by my parents because uh, my dad, like I said, Quebecois, my mother was Anglophone, and they loved uh, they wanted a, a name that could easily go into either language.
0: Okay, it, yeah.
2: and they loved every iteration of Charles or Charles or Charlie or Shallow. Right. The only name that they didn't like that was uh, derivable was Chuck. Right, Uh, which they said he'll never be Chuck. And then in T-Ball, I was given a hat that said Chucky, and I was called Chuck from grade one to university uh, (laughs) because of that T-Ball hat.
0: Well, (laughs) I was about to say, I don't see you as Chuck, but then I've never seen you in a baseball cap. It's true. It's
1: It's a new person, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yes. Uh, It's a real, like you commit to a more sort of bowling alley aesthetic with the, yeah. uh, but I do think Chuck Demers, it's, it's a pretty good comedian name. Uh, it may be even, you know, better than what I've got. But uh, yeah. at this point, at this point when somebody calls me Chuck, it's just like a, a, like a finding an old picture. Like it's just a nice warm reminder of an, of a former part of your
0: life i I could definitely imagine opening for chuck demurs uh at like a charity show in rimby alberta (laughs) yes
2: (laughs) a comedian completely untouched by wokeness like not even he's not even not even bitter about it he hasn't even heard that it's happened (laughs) yeah he's not anti-woke it's not like (laughs) yeah nobody
1: sat him down
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to hold it against you that you're yeah. Greek. That's yeah, like uh Chuck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Just completely untouched by time and yeah. taste. Like a, <laughs> a,
1: like a like a comedy fossil.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're going to get going on the story uh and uh but I want to ask you guys first. Mm-hmm. Like um so do, so Bible stories are sort of in the ether, but I think that the the further we go along, there's a lot of people that didn't grow up with these at all, like have very kind of sporadic experience of Bible stories. So so what about you guys? I'll start with you, Dave. Did you, you kind of, like, I know you well. So you grew up with this, right? And are originally from rural Manitoba, yeah, I, where the Bible yeah, you was have written. To.
1: Yeah, you're born with a Bible in your hands. <laughs> like, that's what they... uh uh, th- so I grew up with all of these stories, and uh, even this one, uh, like, this one's kind of like one of those things where, like, I remember it, uh, uh, kind of like, do you know about the one where she puts a,
0: no, 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 no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the,
1: It's been out for a few thousand years, Dan. <laughs>
0: I think if we can a
1: friends ended, we can talk about how the Bible goes.
0: <laughs> it hasn't had its own VeggieTales episode yet, although it would be. Oh a man! Yeah.
1: I'll say it like this? Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll say it like this. I I'm familiar with the Bible and it, it, where this comes from, the Book of yeah. Judges. Right. I'm familiar to it to the point that I know that Judges is like the hardcore if if there was a season of 24 set in the Bible, it would be in judge's time right. where it's just like, it's gruesome and gory and it's awesome uh, <laughs> that for just how brutal it is. So that, that, that's why I'm familiar with this story coming in. Um, even though I actually don't know
0: really what it's about or why she,
1: or right, why. Right, this right. Thing
0: happens, so. right. That's interesting. So, Um, so you kind of grew up in the Christian faith. How about, how about you, Charlie? Any, what did you guys grow up with? Although you're all frozen right now. It's me. Okay. No problem. I am switching to a different network and we'll see how that goes. (laughs) I
2: just, Oh, you're Um, all back. Okay. Beautiful. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I think the reason that this story hasn't been made into a Veggie Tales is because of its uh, focus on dairy um, <laughs> in the story itself. Wrong um, uh, food group, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I uh, am, uh, I guess, I grew up with what's, what's called a uh, cradle Anglican. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, in the Anglican church, in the Anglican Church, because uh, Anglicanism is one of those uh, um, denominations with compromise sort of baked right into the baked right into it, mm-hmm. a lot of people end up in the Anglican Church from a lot of different churches so right. you meet a lot of people in the Anglican Church who are coming this way out of Catholicism or that way out of the evangelical church and mm-hmm. uh, uh, enough so that uh, uh, if you um, are talking to people about their history in the church, the term uh, "cradle Anglican" will come up for people who, right. like me, were you know baptized as infants into the Anglican Church. Uh, the plan originally was for me to grow up um, Roman Catholic. My dad grew up uh, Catholic, uh, French Canadian, uh, moved to British Columbia from from Montreal, um, and my parents met with the same priest. Who converted uh, Margaret Trudeau to Catholicism oh, before wow. she married Pierre, and apparently this guy was just so rude to my mother um, uh, that like just stacked up this like this this pile of books in front of her and said to my dad, "This is what she has to read incidentally, I mean the differences between Catholicism and Anglicanism you could cover them in a tweet. Like, they are not, uh, you do not, there's no stack of books necessary. I digress. Um, he just said, okay, we're not doing that. Uh, and uh, so instead, uh, my dad just said, oh, well, I'll become Anglican. And by become Anglican, what he meant was, he, he we would go to an Anglican church, but he would not learn any of the differences. So I grew up, like I grew up going to an Anglican church, but any question I asked my dad about church, I got the Catholic answer for, um, uh, wherever there was a difference, um, okay. which was very seldom. Uh, so um, there was definitely like I understood, you know, I had the children's illustrated Bible, you know, as a kid, and we there were there were Bible stories that you know you were kind of uh, aware of even if you couldn't remember like uh, did i hear that at sunday school did i like pick it up in the culture just sort of right. by osmosis and then you have that kind of um you know you have that thing because of the because of the names old testament and new testament you have this idea in your head of like this book that's split like roughly halfway down the middle and then you encounter the bible as an adult and you're like oh all the stories are from the old testament there's like <laughs> a couple of here, here's a few things like kind of at the, the end they're important anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah the big stories that you remember um so I was uh not really um in 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 my teenage years uh drifted um drifted away from the church uh and um uh, really kind of was uh, not having anything at all to do with um, with uh, spiritual uh, questions or endeavor. But in my kind of secular and political commitments w- would still kind of come up against a lot of the same. Um, uh, so I, I was uh, very interested in uh, the Middle East. I did a degree in Middle Eastern history and Islamic studies. And so was always kind of still... Focused on that part of the world and a lot of the same uh, a lot of those same same issues and then kind of in my I would say my late 20s began a sort of slow process of um, circling uh, circling back around uh, church and and uh, uh, have been have been back um, uh, as a regular and and very sort of involved person for um, the last few years. Okay, cool. Yeah,
0: it's 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 interesting. Oh, like, because um, especially with this story, as much as it is like, there's a, there's a, in the story that we're going to talk about today, there's a there's a, a, a obviously a one extremely violent incident, but um, there is like a, a political aspect to this that I find very interesting, and I think that your kind of history with some of the politics and stuff is going to be yeah be helpful for us to 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 bring out. So.
2: Um, It's the only story in the Bible where a temple gets destroyed, and it's good news.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so strap in, you know, and imagine all of the characters being played as vegetables. And and, uh, we will get into the story. So, like Dave said, this story takes place Please tell
4: us which vegetable is who as we go. (laughs)
0: We <laughs> to have to cast this afterwards. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. That's where I'm focused. Okay. Here. Okay. Okay.
3: Right.
2: That's That'll a That'll be that's the a game thing.
0: that we play halfway through. Because <laughs> I was like, to take, to take a break halfway through is like Dave will walk us through like what vegetables are we, and they don't have to be vegetables from the famous show. We can cast our own vegetables. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as various different characters in the yeah. story so we'll, we'll take a break halfway through and do that so uh this story takes place in the time of judges and and uh if you've been listening the whole time this is sort of an in-between time in the stories that we're talking about so this is after abraham long long time after abraham long time after slavery in egypt people have just come out of that and they're living in what we would now think of as the the israel palestine that kind of near east area and uh and but it's prior to them really kind of forming a kingdom in any way that we would recognize and and kind of the thesis statement for this story which is in the book of judges is that in those days there was no king in israel everyone did as they saw fit and 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 even more than that uh as we've talked about before the way that the people who were given this story understood themselves is that they believe that what made them different from other people is that that their God had given them uh, a a Torah, a law or instruction of how to operate in the world. So when they say that everyone did as they saw fit, that meant that they weren't following the instruction that they had been given. And the, the law, the Torah, the instruction outlined blessings and curses. And the blessings were that if you followed God and did what he told you to do, you're going to go okay. If you don't follow God and don't do what he told you to do, then you're going to get oppressed and crushed by other people. That was the, the rule that was that was laid out for them. So this whole series of stories uh, where this story takes place is in this in-between time where, like, nobody's really in charge, everything's sort of confederated, and different areas of g- geographically are getting oppressed at different times based on their own adherence to this instruction that had been given to them so at this particular time uh the uh the, the, this at this particular oh yeah and so if they yeah like the, the so and and every so basically the story is the series of like of like the they follow god they stop following god uh, they get crushed by an outside tribe or group of people who oppress them and treat them badly. They cry out to God. They start listening to God again. He raises up a charismatic leader. Leader uh, beats the crap out of the the old people, sends them away, and then for a period of time they uh, follow the Lord until that charismatic leader either dies or fucks up, and then uh,
2: they go. Then the whole cycle repeats itself again. So that really is a, a healthy chunk of the Old Testament that you've just <laughs> described. Yeah. Pretty recurring theme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that you could argue, and some scholars would, that that is the overriding theme of everything. Is that The like... <laughs>
2: Groundhog Day of scripture.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Although there's no monarch,
1: that was the big thing, right?
0: Yeah, well, the and, and I think that basically what we're be, being given is that this was an, a very anarchic period of time, even more anarchic, like, we live in nation states with, like, rule of law and all that kind of stuff. So, for us, anything without, like, a cop on every corner telling us what to do feels anarchic, right? But this was even anarchic for the time, it would seem, you know? Oh. Um if I'm saying, I'm probably saying the word anarchic wrong, but um, but like it was, it was even no, more no,
2: no. you're talking about the South Pole, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. very cold, yes, it's a very, yeah. very cold. cold. many yeah. penguins, <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, and that's where the aliens landed. <laughs> um, okay, so at this point, so during this period of time, uh, various places and geographical areas would be run by people that they called judges. And basically, a judge's job was to just settle people's disputes. They were a third party that everyone would listen to. And the judge at this point in time, unusually, was a woman named Deborah. Uh, now, Deborah was also a prophet, so not only was she kind of the the strong arm leader of this group of people in terms that in terms that they trusted her to provide legal judgment for their land disputes or their their property disputes or or this guy killed my cow or this guy's oxen attacked my goat you know that kind of stuff but also she was a prophet in that she told people what the Torah said that was the job of a prophet was to outline that. So at that point in time, Deborah was in charge and she uh, would would sit in the hill. She had a, a place where she would sit in the hills and people would come and they would seek her wisdom and her counsel and her judgment. Imagine Judge Judy, only not evil. And uh, <laughs> so at one point, Deborah calls uh, a gentleman named Barack to come see her. His name just happened to be Barack. It's a relatively common name in
2: other parts <laughs> of the world. Yes, but where was he born?
0: <laughs> Definitely from Kenya. <laughs> yes. Well, he would have been called a Cushite. He's not called a Cushite. So <laughs> everyone from Africa was a Cushite in the Old Testament. That's <laughs> the, that's the rule. Doesn't tell us that specifically. It's just a common name. Anyway, so, but she calls Barack and she does something very interesting. Because she's got, the story says that she's got this conduit to God and, to the, and she's the judge, she calls Barak to her. She, she gives him an audience and says, Hasn't the Lord told you that you're supposed to raise an army to fight off our current oppressor? See, at the time, the people were oppressed by uh, a leader named Jabin. Uh, his parents had been killed by the Israelites when they were first invading from the desert. Uh, so he didn't like them very much and uh, and was mean to them. And he had a military leader, the most famous military leader at the time, uh, named Sisera, who apparently uh, controlled a, a an army of 900 iron chariots. So that is the... the, And and there's some people who would argue that that's a ridiculous number. It's hyperbolic. I, I Like, it's exaggerated. I don't know that. I don't know how many chariots is too many chariots. But... He had, Jabin had at his disposal, the largest army in the area. He had military might. So, uh, and as such, people were afraid of him. So Deborah talks to Barack and says, hey, didn't God tell you that you were supposed to raise up an army to fight this guy and that he would deliver him into your hand? Which is interesting because she know it's an interesting literary thing that is happening in this ancient story where she knows something. We're learning that he, something has happened with him through her. Anyway, I just find that fascinating. That's outside of the story. Let's stick with this.
2: Story. This is how my wife phrases all of what she wants <laughs> me to do around the house as well. Does God, God tell you to? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't remember reading that before right now, though.
2: It's a
0: thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, Barack, uh, so, so Barack says, he agrees with her. He doesn't try and pass it off. But he says, if you come with me, I will go and raise this 10,000-person army that you want uh, and go against Sisera uh, and, and Jabin. But if you don't come with me, then I won't go. And Deborah says, OK, I'm coming with you. But know that because you didn't go on your own, the glory for this battle will not go to you. The glory for this battle will go to a woman because patriarchy. Um, Even then, it existed. So so they do this. Barak and Deborah go, and they gather their 10,000-person army on Mount Tabor, the way that God had instructed them to do, and, and they wait there. Now, as he's gathering the army, there's this character that we meet named Haber the Kenite. And, and Haber the Kenite seems to be a part of Israel, initially a part of that group of people, but he has separated himself from that tribe and has sided with Jabin. And because he's still in both camps in a certain way, he then goes and, and, and tells Jabin and, and consequently Sisera that that Barack has started to gather an army around him with Deborah at Mount Tabor and they're pre- preparing a revolution. So we're going to stop and take our break right now and uh, and start to address the vegetable nature of the characters of the story. So so Dave, you've been keeping track. Um, I've been trying to keep up.
1: There's five characters that I need to come up with. I to be honest, I only have one. So far, that a good good name. And I'm going to once again lean on like later on uh, Veggie Tales, where they okay. started having like not just vegetables, because like they had Madame Blueberry, right? Like that's not a vegetable.
0: That was actually <laughs> that the is. third episode, but, but that was the third uh, episode. Yeah, I've just, read a lot of Wikipedia on Veggie Tales about like which Bible stories to present in which order to appeal the stoned college students. So. Uh, <laughs> fair. Fair. <laughs> I have not put in that
1: much effort. Uh, so here's the thing. If Deborah is supposed to be a judge, I've decided that in this story, she would be called Judge Bread. And uh, I... Think <laughs> once again, to underline that this is a, a, a merciless story, right? So you got I think you got to lean into that. So I think you go with the Sly Stallone... Look uh, for her yeah. right? in yeah. this loaf of bread. I think that's where you
3: start. I
1: you
2: mean, it 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 has the grain of truth. It has the grain of truth. <laughs> for sure. Now the rest the of, of it, I don't know how I'm going to. No. I'm not.
1: I'm not a big pun guy, and I feel that you really need to lean on puns throughout the
0: rest of these names. So that's where I'm currently at. That's okay, so <laughs> so the next is Barack, right? That's Barack. the next carry, or, or yeah. So we'll we'll start with the with Barack. Who? What, what vegetable do we think Barack could be I mean I could have had like in my mind you could have him played by an asparagus and do a little bit of the Obama cadence and stuff like that right <laughs> the, both being relatively tall and slender I don't know how you guys feel about that or
2: mm-hmm. I, just I'm reali- I'm relatively uh unfamiliar with veggie tales but would they not have would they not go with Barack Ali, like that, just seems. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, you it. See what you did yeah. there.
1: Okay. Yeah. I think maybe I, they would uh, just keep it Barack. Like I think they'd still do that, but it would be Barack. Oh, but he would it be Barack. Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: It would be Barack Ali in the same way that like Muhammad Ali. You know, like, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's how they he would even show up in the shore, the boxing. Judge, yeah, so
2: they, and Judge
0: Bread would be like, Didn't God tell you to go fight this guy? And you'd be like, I didn't want to go fight that guy. If you come with me, I'll fight him. <laughs> okay, so now we have Jabin, the oppressor, and Sisera, his military captain. Right. Uh, now, for no other reason, well,
1: this is a hinting later, I think. I want to make sure I get this right. I think Sisera should probably be a pomegranate. For no... Okay.
2: Uh, Ooh. Just for visual. For for, for visual sake. Shadowing. That's foreshadowing right there. (laughs) Yeah. That way you you can still keep the visuals. (laughs) And I think it's okay that he's a fruit because he's definitely going to end up a vegetable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my
3: Oh, my gosh.
0: Oh, that's no. why this man has a thousand CBC appearances. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh
3: <laughs>
0: man. That's 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 the jokes that sell in rural America. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm plugged into that ecumenical zeitgeist. <laughs>
0: We've still got Javen, the 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 maniacal leader, though. We've still got Javen, the. the uh, I, uh, What's the what? It, it would be
1: played by the Q, uh, like the 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 big bad cucumber, not. Oh. Oh, the yeah. the,
4: the one who's like. Um, Always who the bad guy. Goliath.
1: Maybe. Oh, he's the one that plays Nebuchadnezzar. Right. Yeah, whatever yeah, that one... Was. I'm,
0: I'm imagining somebody a little bit fat. Do they have a cauliflower? Like, I think cauliflower... You could easily make a cauliflower villainous. And I know that it doesn't... There's no fun, <laughs> there's no sound, <laughs> there's no... You know, but like... Maybe you can do a pumpkin. doesn't occupy a lot of space, like Jabba the Hut, right? Yeah, like... Pumpkin, a pumpkin.
2: Pumpkin. Or,
4: or some other kind of... Like, a pumpkin has, like, fruit, but like a gourd or a... I guess there are gourds
1: gourd's um, well you could just use that the gourd character whatever yeah okay. Yeah.
2: gourd is good okay and and who's the guy who goes uh remind me the, the, the name night. yeah yeah uh that should be eggplant cuz it um it tastes like whatever you cook it with
0: right right so right, yes.
2: <laughs> that's a good way yeah for the yeah. guy who wants to play it both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paper <laughs> just goes where the wind yeah, blows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a it's a rough place. Um, that is some fascinating stuff. Uh I like that. Now, um Dave Ray actually, in addition to appearing on the show, which he was not supposed to do, yeah. uh, but <laughs> he really did, he also wrote uh a game for the show. Now I've uh i've uh tried to he sent me this on facebook so um like dave uh i, I want this show to have an aspect of silliness to it sometimes and yeah. the unfortunate thing is like a lot of comedians i'm a pretty serious person <laughs> um <laughs> so what's most serious comedian i know that's true <laughs> <laughs> so uh i i am going to run this by so this will be so this quiz will be for teddy and for for uh for charlie and uh and uh we'll go through it in this way so um dave has written these this is a quiz of strange deaths in the bible okay? oh wow so uh i hate there are multiple choice at the very least yeah they're multiple choice. Teddy, go a little bit easy on him because, uh, just to warn you, uh, Charlie, I Teddy he was. seems
4: the, to know his stuff. T- <laughs>
0: just, just, to, just to warn you, Charlie, Teddy was the valedictorian of our Christian university. Oh,
2: university. oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I would say I've got, like, pretty good knowledge of the Bible for a comedian. Now <laughs> pretty, you're going to
4: make me look bad if I don't do, do well
2: low knowledge for a bible college valedictorium uh if yeah. I would put my, yeah so
0: to be fair like a bible college valedictorian probably knows less than your average like evangelical smart camp kid it's like, <laughs> like, true or like a
4: wanna kid or like yeah. and for the record like i didn't grow up going to church like i don't know all the like Kid Bible stories and stuff. Like
0: my right. from kids. my my oldest child would probably destroy all of you on this, but uh, <laughs> cause, just because just because they're smart and like winning quizzes. Um, uh, I'd Motivated. put two of my kids up against you, like all of you, you know. But um, okay. So this is the the quiz of strange tests in the Bible. Question number one: uh, In Judges three, it describes how Ahud went to confront and kill King Eglon of Moab in the upper room of his palace. According to the text, what was the last thing that Ahud said to King Eglon before with the stabbiness and the dispatching him? Does he say, A, verily, I am Ehud of the tribe of Benjamin. The Lord of Israel has seen the evil committed by your hand, and now you will die by mine. Did he say that, or did he say, B, your majesty, I have a secret message for you. Or does he say, C, the Lord of Israel sends his regards? (laughs) I'm going to say A.
2: I think it's B.
0: You think it's B? Yeah. Dave Ray, you wrote this. Uh, In all honesty, I don't know the answer to this. It's B. I I think it's B. Yeah, I was about to say. I think it's B. Yeah. It is B. Uh, A, I'll be honest. Uh, Behind the curtain,
1: I wrote A based off the line from Princess Bride. (laughs) And just really bibled it up.
3: Well done. And
0: then C is just from Game of Thrones. Uh, (laughs) So Dave was so committed to character, he all caps, all caps Lord. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the only one reading it. Like that's how committed
3: (laughs) Dave was in the writing.
0: Okay. Question number two. After Ahud killed the king, he locked the door to the upper room and left. The servants discovered it locked and did not want to go in because A, they did not want to uh, interrupt his meal. B, they did not want to interrupt him having sex with his sister. Or C, they did not want to interrupt him on the toilet.
2: Uh, I remember this story. Yeah,
4: and you control. go first.
2: It's one of those three things. <laughs> I'm very uh, proud I, of my
1: quiz. Yeah. Now that I'm seeing this in action, I'm very proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, there's
2: there's, I, I want to say A for the meal, but there's something about the specificity of the sister that is jogging something in my memory and, and i and i kind of want to take a big swing okay do it, do it. um but but uh, i'm gonna go with meal i'm gonna go with meal i'm gonna okay, say a. Go with meal yeah teddy well that uh, so i
4: was gonna
2: say we fun. can both say the same answer yeah
0: All right, yeah, yeah there's no rule against it uh it's actually c they did not want to interrupt him on the toilet
2: no, that was the third thing I was going to say. Yeah,
0: that was the third thing. <laughs> yeah. Actually, this story is really gross because Ahud was really fat, and like when uh, he was yeah, I missed fat, the, detail. the contents of his, uh, the Bible says the contents of his, oh. his intestines poured out, which is why they thought that he was on the toilet.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you were uh, jogging my memory with that mnemonic. Oh.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, it's it's a buckwild one. Yeah. Okay, number 3. Uh after Absalom rebelled against his father, King David, he was routed and forced to flee on a mule. However, her, his pursuers were able to catch him and spear him to death because what happened was he A choking on sacred bread he had stolen from the temple? Was it B an angel of the Lord made the mule stop and refused to go ahead? Or was it C, his fashionably long hair got caught in the branches of a tree? Um, Do you need me to read them again?
4: Yeah, we all got really distracted there. I need the question, too.
0: Yeah, no problem. So, after Absalom rebelled against his father, King David, Absalom was routed and forced to flee on a, on a mule However, his pursuers were able to catch him and spear him to death because this happened. Was it A, he was choking on sacred bread stolen from the temple? Was it B, an angel of the Lord made the mule stop and refused to go ahead? Or was it C, Absalom's fashionably long hair got caught in the branches of a tree?
2: I think it's C. I
4: think it's B.
0: You think it's B? I'm just going to say B. The answer is C. His (laughs) His fashion long hair got caught in the branches of a tree. You were
4: not in my exit interview. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Teddy, your uh, your answer was you, you're misplacing that with the, a story from the book of Judges, sorry, the book of uh, Numbers, where not only does an angel of the Lord make the mule stop, ultimately God opens the mouth of the mule and it tells off its rider that, like, I'm not going ahead because an angel's going to kill both of us.
2: So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In number the original four. wise ass. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> number four, in second kings two, a bunch of young lads from the city mocked a prophet of God for his bald head. The prophet then cursed them in the name of the Lord. And uh how did and and, and how did the forty two children who mocked the prophet die? Was it A, lightning struck them down? Was it B, a couple of bears came out and mauled them? Or was it C, asps, snakes came out from holes in the ground and bit them? Bears,
2: bears, bears. Yeah, it's bears. It's bears.
0: Bears, totally. (laughs) The other two did (laughs) have other people, though. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't mocking prophets for baldness, but definitely... Right. That's like That's one so, of the best stories. So, so that yeah,
2: in a book, in a book with with a tendency towards disproportionate discipline. <laughs> yeah, that really had, stands out.
0: Do you? The Bible actually quotes the the line that they said to him that was insulting. Do you guys? Does anybody remember the line? I do. I can tell. But anybody else know it? I don't. It's like so. <laughs>
4: it like he doesn't have any hair. Like
0: he's yeah. Like he's bald? It's, the the line is "Go on up, you bald head." <laughs> up, you know. why don't be, you like that dan i mean i guess i wouldn't like if a bunch of kids started yelling that at me i'd probably be like hey that's weird but i don't think i'd get to the point where i'd call bears out to maul them today death.
4: <laughs> yes. I think that's and then be like though, that god did it <laughs>
0: You know, But even if God was like, hey, I can maul these kids with bears, I'd be like, let's just back off a little bit. <laughs> Is that the only option to solve this conflict right now? Can we give them all COVID-19 instead? Like, <laughs> oh, no. Okay, last question. In Acts, chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira were both struck dead by the words of Peter because they had lied about what? A, they lied about selling their land and claiming that they gave all of the money from the sale to the church. B, they lied about the idols to other gods that they had in their house. Or C, they lied about their son not being circumcised.
2: You, you really threw me with the vertiginous uh, testament shift. Uh, <laughs> But, yes. What a it, uh, word. I, um, uh, I'm with Teddy. It's A.
0: It is A. It yep. is A. And, uh, but
2: I only say that because I live in Vancouver and everything is about land value. <laughs> <laughs> but uh,
0: I don't think anyone... Oh, no. No one, uh, no one died because they lied about their son not being cir- circumcised. I can't remember that specific story. Dave? Was there a story about that? or
1: No. Basically, I was just like, does this sound like something could be, like, it could be in the Bible somewhere? And I mean, yeah. look at the well, story we just did right before
0: this. <laughs> well, and the, the, there is a great story with Moses where Moses, like, didn't circumcise yeah. his kids. And then, like, on the way back to Egypt, God suddenly got mad. It's like somebody told him and was like, wait a minute. No, your kids aren't circumcised. And
2: then... Like Zipporah yeah, the wife. sees it and she just goes and does it, circumcises, and then touches the foreskin to Moses' toe. Yeah. And then God's like, okay. <laughs> and I my reaction to that story was like, I don't want to be married to a woman who that's her first response <laughs> in an emergency. I, I I just gotta immediate start
1: immediate circumcision. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Wise like a wise man always marries out of his league. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I think Moses definitely did that with Zephora, Uh, and yeah, and her line is like, "Truly, now you are a bridegroom of blood to me." And this is like, Uh, me when I hear of marriage, I'm like, (laughs) "Whoa!" I just, my thing is like, I think that there was other things going on in Moses and Zephora's marriage beyond the lack of circumcision of (laughs) the.
2: Yeah. The guy had other stuff on his plate too. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he was messed up
0: upbringing (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) So back in the story uh so we get back into the story so where if you remember where we were jabin had uh Haber the Kenite had tipped off sisera the, the the armies were gathering so they go and they start to gather uh in the river valley below mount tabor and and sis and uh and um, um Barak with Deborah is gathered with ten thousand of, of their warriors, and they're on Mount Hale about to ta- to attack uh, about to attack Sisera and his nine hundred chariots. So so they start to go over, and and at one point Deborah turns to Barak and says, uh, "You need to go down and fight them now. Hasn't the Lord already gone before you?" and uh and they go down and fight them. And like all Bible stories, it leaves out any details of the actual fight. Like it's uh-huh. really like not interested in such things. Like, you know, there is no, there's no battle of the bastards here. There's no, it's just like, but what the Bible does say is that God panicked the, the army and that they all fled and that Sisera jumped down from his chariot and fled on foot. So, if you uh, study this, there's some people that believe that they were in a river valley. God panicked them by having like mud come up nine hundred iron chariots get stuck in the mud fleet footed mountain warriors are in a better position to fight than our uh, than than our chariot people. that's beside the point not important to the story God panicked them they take off Cicero run, uh, runs he runs and he escapes for a good long time before he arrives at the tent of. Haber, the Kenite and he meets Haber's wife Jael who says you come hide in my tent she invites him into uh, into her tent to hide and and it says that uh, that Cicero the military leader is exhausted by this point he says you, I'm very thirsty can you give me anything to drink uh, do you have any water she gives him milk from uh, a milk skin that she had um, And then he says, I'm going to cover myself up and lie down here. You stand at the door of the tent. And if anybody asks if there's a man here, then tell them no. And and Jael, Haber's wife, says, of course, I'm going to, like, I will do that. You just lie down here and hide. And then uh, after he goes to sleep, what the Bible says very specifically is that she picked up a tent peg and drove it and a mallet and drove the tent peg through his head into the ground until he died. Then, later on, uh, uh, Barack shows up looking for Sisera, and is like, is Sisera here? And she says, yeah, I got Sisera here, and then throws o- o- over the thing, and he's there. End of <laughs> story. For the most part except there's two interesting things that I think happen next one Deborah the judge writes the history of this she writes it in a in a poem and a song that we have uh in the next chapter of the book of Judges um and she describes Jael and her activity in this way and I'm gonna I'm actually gonna read this I don't do a lot of scripture readings on this show but but this is worthwhile because this is how Deborah the prophet and judge describes what Jael did it said Blessed among women, Gile, wife of Haber the Kenite. When asked for milk, she did give in a princely bowl. She served curds. Her hand for the tent peg reached out, her right hand for the workman's hammer, and she hammered Cicero, cracked his skull. She smashed and pierced his temple. Between her legs, he kneeled, fell, lay. Between her legs, he kneeled, he fell. Where he kneeled he fell destroyed. That's the end of the story. Um, So the two things that I find interesting is that's a beautiful poem. Most important fact to me that I find interesting is the first sentence she says is blessed among women is Gile, which I'll get back to in a second. The second thing that I find interesting is that immediately afterwards, the next verse of this poem is making fun of Sisera's mom. <laughs> the passage right after it is like, Oh, Sisera's mom is like, Why is this chariot taking so long to get home? Sisera's <laughs> <laughs> mom's friends are coming up to her now, being like, Oh, he's got so much plunder. It's taking him so much longer. <laughs> Like which I think is hilarious and petty, and I love it. Um, but this is something I find interesting, and and needs to be remembered. In this, there's only two women in the entire Bible that are called blessed among women. Um, Jael, as you've just heard, is one of them. The other one is very famous, and that's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth, when she recognizes the 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 when when uh, when Elizabeth, uh, Mary's cousin, when when Mary comes to visit her with Jesus in her womb, she says, blessed are you among women, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And and I find that absolutely fascinating that there are only two women uh, and and one of them is Jal. So um, this is the story. And now the question is like, what do we think about this? And I just want to include that blessed among women thing. There's not a lot of, women characters in the bible that's just a that we get to know pretty well but yet this woman is and i think that that's an important thing for us to at least recognize as we talk about
2: it. and the thing about mary uh, is uh, and in in relation to jael i mean i was trying, i was brushing up on the story before yeah. tonight like before uh, having to discuss it, and I, uh, you know, one of the things that I just found in a quick, like, Google search on Jael is, and, like, one of the first things that comes up is um, an entry for, I think it's the Jewish Women's Encyclopedia or something like that. And they, the focus in, in retelling the story after getting through the details of it is about all of the kind of subverted mother imagery that's in the Jael story. Yeah. She, gives him, she gives him milk. He dies between her legs, like she is this like reverse mother of badass death dealing uh, in 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 a like this totally like Tarantino yeah. vein of like yeah, I've got right You want to see him? Yeah, uh, yeah, like it's it's really um, it's like swashbuckling stuff. Uh, but with this, like, very, very loaded, like, like Freudian uh, uh, lodestar of imagery to to go along with it.
0: Yeah, like having read a lot and spent a lot of time with Bible stories, like the Bible doesn't have a consistent relationship with violence. There's times when, like, you it doesn't feel like the writer wants you to enjoy this violence. You know, mm. it doesn't feel like. They're like there's there's times when it's just like this is just a fact of the matter. It Wants you to feel ambivalent about the the violence. Whereas like this is specific. You, yeah, mm. and, it, and it seems that it's just like you're supposed to think this is cool, right? Yeah. Like this is like Quentin Tarantino's, uh, yeah, you know, like or 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 The Wire with Omar or something like that. You're supposed to be like, whoa, this is a badass killer, you know, that we have here and the and-
2: other woman that who you can't help but think of in hearing the story is rahab
0: yeah
2: uh, and rahab is it like so passive in comparison to yeah. jael who like i mean rahab does what she does takes courage and she she yeah. does have to like obviously she's presented with this moral question of like will i tell the, you know ab- about the um the about israelites. joshua and the yeah. israelites uh coming over but but it's it's not in this it, it, it's in this much more sort of passive vein versus like jael who like steps up into history with this like very decisive subtle and, and accomplishes what all of these warriors couldn't do
0: yeah well and it's interesting too when you talk about that because like the stereotypical kind of woman story in the Bible is really Ruth. Like, if they, if they mm. talk about like Old Testament conduct by women, and that's a story of like commitment and loyalty, and like I'm going to do the right thing, and at the end she gets a husband. You know, it's like it's, it's kind of Jane Austeny, right? And, yet, and 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 certainly it's been told that way throughout my life. Um, whereas this is a story that's like either not told at all you know, uh, in accordance with how women ought to behave or certainly not told with the same amount of vigor that this is another aspect of who you are sometimes. Sometimes you raise a tent peg and a workman's hammer and you smash the oppressor's head open, right? And I think that that, like, Teddy, if you wouldn't mind speaking to that a little bit specifically, you're the only woman in the the Zoom room. Sorry, mom, we're not letting you talk right now. And, (laughs) but like, what do you think about that?
4: What do I like about?
0: Well, just about like this story wasn't isn't told as much as Ruth? And obviously, we want more people to be like loyal and and caring and and get and husbands, like, I guess just like put a peg through than, their like, <laughs> pegs, you know? <laughs> like obviously, like we would choose one over the other, but but do, does that affect? Do you think? Like I don't know. Is that a is that a positive or a negative way? Like I don't know. What does that think? What does that do in your head heart?
4: I mean, I think it's unclear because I don't, like, I think that it's not as obvious, like, what course of action to, to take in, like, an enemy and current, like, because I think that it's courageous. I think that it's, like, daring. I think that um, it's brave. And I, and I think that it's also uh, murdering someone so that well, makes it a difficult choice to make as a per like that uh, in this story that you know like that to be I don't know that there's a lot of other murdering that then it, it gets you called blessed among women right like what makes this particular dude so bad that the that JL then is Like, cause do we have other, like, there's many other deaths that happen in the Bible that the person who commits it is not, does not get that kind of honor, I guess. And so it seems it's, it's just confusing mostly. Like I found this story really confusing.
0: Yeah. I mean. Certainly as an
4: example, like to follow.
0: Yeah. It it
1: well, and that's where Judges is interesting as a book in general because, like, it's it's true that there's not a lot of examples of like someone murdering and it's like yay that's really a great thing, but Judges has kind of got a few of them. Uh, Ehud, which we were just talking about in our quiz, actually is another example, and it comes right before this story. And there's a few times of like these people who are like these awful oppressors are struck down. And it's like I, I think it's probably specific to this context of like during the judge's time the the nation or the, the these group of people are very vulnerable. And I think it's interesting that uh that God in in the context of this story is like using these uh people who are often considered in this time frame to be like um uh You know, people you would overlook or you wouldn't uh, assume. Not only is does this uh, leader fall to the hand of a woman, but also it comes. It it uh, underlines Deborah as well. Like it underlines Mm -hmm. Deborah's thing when she came alongside and pushed Barack to get his army together. (laughs) And uh, you have like this these two chapters together, where it's like underlining like how women uh who are you know people undervalue them and then they're they are stepping up in such a huge way and i think that you know in the same way that the hebrew people are often uh overlooked you know god is using them and well and by them
0: but i think it's like, I think, and, and because I've spent a lot of time with this, I, I do think it's helpful to look at the Mary thing, right? Because yeah. there's, a, there's a, in, in biblical scholarship, there's a principle called the principle of first mention, which I think is often overused, with the idea yeah. being that the whenever you hear something said later on in the Bible, you should hearken back to the first time that it was mentioned because uh, it was intentional, because they would have thought about it, right? So the argument being that when Elizabeth says to Mary blessed among women are you, Elizabeth is saying to Mary, you're like Giles right? And so which changes things because, you know, we can argue about the dating of the Magnificat, but let's assume that Mary's prayer, which would have been recite would be recited in the Anglican church at Christmas time of about her own the the, the baby that is going to be born inside her her prayer there is is not about like the salvation of the world through sacrifice her prayer is about violent revolution her prayer is like the rich he has sent away empty the poor he is filled with good things the powerful are torn down from the thrones while the lowly are exalted and i think Mm -hmm. that i wonder if it's like so that makes me go like okay so what that makes me think is did Elizabeth and Mary understand their situation in context of violent revolution against the, 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 the Romans who are now oppressing them with a massive military advantage in the same way that Jabin and Sisera were oppressing ja- like Barack and Deborah and the, the, the people with an, with an, uh, an, an, an awesome military advantage. And I think that that gets uncomfortable because it, it subverts even what we think about what does it mean to have a revolution? You know, and I think that this is where Charlie, if you wouldn't mind getting into some of the political stuff. Well, yeah.
2: And I mean, I think in that context, I I think like it, it's re- that qualifier of the workman's hammer is yeah. very, very yeah. important and non-accidental. And I think like, what what we're seeing in this story I mean it, it's it's not only the story of um because because I on the one hand I think like Teddy is um absolutely right in the sense that the the bare physical facts of the situation are those of a murder and and like a, a fairly cold and calculated one this guy's like, literally, he's asleep. And, and, like, after being assured, don't worry, uh, you know, you're cool. Like, I'll, I'll I'll make sure nobody comes in here. I won't tell anyone there's anybody here. He's been
0: given food, which is sort yeah. of like a traditional, like, you're safe here. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it, it's um, a very
1: Games of Thrones-style death. Like, it's a very, like, <laughs> oh, you think you're yeah. okay until you are not
3: yeah. okay. Totally.
1: But
2: what you're but what you're also seeing in this scene is like war by other means and you're seeing like this this guy who on the one hand couldn't be defeated on the field of battle on the other hand himself fled the field of battle like this is a failure of both generals on both sides and where both those both those kind of captains of their respective armies failed this woman armed with the workman's hammer like delivers the decisive final blow that is mm-hmm. i mean that's an act of war right um, and uh, i think um, I think there is a, a a context to to the killing that is i mean you know then now we open up big questions of, of uh you know, is is killing in a war or a just war different than than uh killing in any other uh situation. And I think all of those are are are, are fair um fair com fair conversations to have. But I feel like Jael he, through this story is is inserted into this conversation as um as a warrior. Like she's one of the soldiers of of Israel here, and I mean judges. You know this anarchic period um, is with also with with, with with the
1: penguins. Yeah.
2: Yes, and the other thing I think is interesting is that the penguins—it's the males who guard the eggs, and so that uh, <laughs> because the female penguins are out driving their beaks through the temples of their enemies. Um, the uh, seals. The, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, uh, this is also like the phase in the story of the of the people of Israel in the Hebrew Scriptures where they're going from being a, a you know a, a, a chosen people unlike any other mm-hmm. to about to become just like everybody else. They're going to ask God for a king. He's going to be like, guys, you don't want, I'm your, I'm your king. I'm your God. Like, and they're going to go, no, no, no. We want a king. And then, and then all of those kings are going to uh, make them more and more like all of the pagan nations around them until yeah. the, you know, we move into the prophets. Um, and, and this is in this kind of, uh, in between time of, uh, and and it's one of the reasons why the stories in the old testament are kind of a lot more interesting than a lot of the stories in the new testament because
3: yeah
2: it they, they are actually they ask us they ask us to think about them in in ways that we think about novels or films as opposed to the way we think about parables which is like what is the lesson to be drawn from this right versus like Let's bounce around in this crazy and contradictory moral universe that this brilliant writer has created for us.
0: Yeah, and I think that's so interesting about the Book of Judges because we talk about like we of all kind of over the last however many decades have experienced and grown up with the antihero as as a thing. You know? <laughs> sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. A gray hero and where it's like, and that didn't really exist through much of literature, where, but we have that in the book of Judges, where it's like, you know, like there's some scholars that would argue that there's no one in the book of Judges worth emulating, that they're all fallible. And in fact, all the way through the Old Testament, all of like yeah. Moses, David, you know, all of these people that there's aspects of them, but all of them have at least one incident where you're like, whoa, like what happened there? You know, yeah. so I think, um I think it's interesting to, to listen to this story in the context of, of that, that statement, the kind of the thesis statement of the whole book of Judges, which is in those days, no one was in charge and everyone did as they saw fit. Then I think one of the things that's hard for us to do, especially in North America and the Western world, is that the original hearers and readers and partakers of the oral tradition were always oppressed peoples. Right. Like the, mm. the, like the, so we do not, he, unfortunately we don't hear this from the perspective of pr- oppressed people. We just don't, you know, like, and I, you know, um, it's very, you know, like, and but like, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if you've got indigenous background uh, Charlie anywhere back there, but like, there's no, there's not a lot of ways that we can, we really have to twist to tell our story as oppressed peoples, you know, in in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. Whereas like, there's people in, you know, uh, like I know in, in, in Latin America or Central America throughout the seventies or, or in Africa or other places where I've heard scholars talk about this story very, very differently because they, they've been under a warlord, you know, they know what it's like to be in a place where if you the the warlord dies then like we live in a place where it's like who cares if you kill the warlord the the are the next general is going to step up and it's the same thing over and over again whereas like they come from a world where if the warlord dies the the oppressing army might disperse and then that's better right to have like five different warlords fighting is better than having one right um so I think that this is really hard for us to do. And one of the really negative things about Christianity, specifically in North America and the West, is that like we have all of these stories about oppressed people that we hear as the oppressors, and we're like, that's us. You know? We're totally like, oh. yeah, we're put upon. And it's like, no, actually, like we need the, the ones that they're yelling about, the ones that, that are constantly in danger of hellfire and brimstone, and like, we are the ones that are like that. Right, <laughs> I think that that's a, a gap, and 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 I, I just find this story absolutely fascinating because there's a part of me that would love to be a pacifist, right? There's a part of me that really, you know, empathizes with that Anabaptist tradition of of absolute nonviolence, you know, and there's, mm. and, and when they talk about like, well, Jesus was nonviolent, I'm like, okay, I can get behind that. However. I do think that sometimes people in the world, I think that this story is for people in the world in a, uh, this story is for people who live in a world gone insane, you know? And, and I think that there's stories for those people too, where there are no right answers. I don't know how you guys, what you guys think about that.
1: Well, I think there's a, a, a strong through line in the Bible where it's just like, if, if, if there is a need for change, you need to go through with that change. Uh, You know, tear down the Asherah poles and like, you know, get rid of everything that you held dear, you know, and come follow me. Like there's so many examples of like, sometimes a big change is needed and uh, put upon us. And like, um, I think where wisdom comes in and, uh, is knowing when to do that so when you take this story in the context of well as so many other stories it's like is this a, is this a moment where we're supposed to do something drastic now our drastic they may not be putting a, a ten peg through somebody's head the official uh,
0: stance of of the the show is we are against ten peg murders in <laughs> and, as a general rule like just <laughs> i can tell it legal
1: but but yeah that's that's the thing like i i I, if you think of uh, jl uh in this moment like it would have been so easy to just like i like this person's not gonna hire me i and like i'm not even opposed to this person like uh he uh she was the wife of the neutral person so like she just had to like like stand by and watch the oppressor get away, you know. Like she could have just, and she would have been fine, but she took that moment to like do a thing that she uh, that was going to hopefully help these uh, these people. But I don't know. I, I think that's why these kind of stories are. In, this kind of like story is important, also. Uh, when it's compared to the more peaceful stories, because I think you need to have this kind of uh, frame of like, where are your, where, where are we talking? Like, you, like to have extremes to talk about, whether or not you agree with how far she went or not or whatever. Uh, like, where that's where I think a lot of the stories in the Old Testament their big role is to get you to like think about it and like push us to like uh, consider these things
0: well and just to quickly uh there is a reluctance to embrace the fact that she does murder this guy you know like because i remember telling this story once and having a lady in my church be like do you think that maybe she did it by accident <laughs> <laughs>
4: and that accident made her blessed among <laughs>
1: Mary <laughs> uh, wait hold on a second I don't want to leave this quite yet so I like I'm just like look I need to put up the tent well the guy's already in the tent but I know but we need like a, another tent <laughs>
0: within the tent within the, the t- balance <laughs> and if we don't get another peg then then there's you can see the sky like we
2: need yeah. yeah he had a mosquito on his temple <laughs> <laughs> There's only one way to deal with that. Yes. She meant I mean, to pick I, up
1: the newspaper. She meant to pick up the newspaper. Oops. And, <laughs>
4: yeah. I mean, I and think then that's... all the way through <laughs> his head into yeah, the, the
0: ground. Yeah. <laughs> that's like that's like, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I almost got super dark, but anyway.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, I I think that's the the other thing. Like to 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 get back to her relation to her husband. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the other thing that's kind of special about Jaël is like she is not an extension of her Mm. spouse like she does not belong to her husband in the sense that he has chosen this kind of duplicitous version of neutrality in this situation and she casts her lot in with the people of Israel like in a very decisive decisive way yeah
1: I mean that does go back to like that uh, like the uh, you know scripture in James where it's like don't be lukewarm like don't be lukewarm like
3: yeah
0: yeah yeah,
1: be be hot or cold
0: (laughs) yeah dinner between with Gile and Haybar the next night was maybe a little bit so all the way
1: well I just don't know why you had to do it in the tent itself. (laughs)
0: <laughs> like we,
1: we, also we also stay in here though like
0: <laughs> we just bought those egyptian cotton sheets i thought so <laughs> <laughs> they had a really high thread count and <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> it was on the ground
0: <laughs> 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 You <laughs> got have told me beforehand. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying... I'll wash the sheets. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying you can't kill a warlord the in AC the tent. Up, Just is what head up. up. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're running low on time, but I want to I wanna <laughs> ask this final question because I think I want to give some time to answer this properly because I think that this is a really interesting story. Tame it. Which means, like, let's make a version of this story that works for our time. Do we toss it, never tell this story again, or do we need to turn this story up louder that we, that this needs to be an aspect of the stories that we tell because it br- makes us ask some important questions about who we are as human beings. So uh, I'll start with you, Dave. Tame it, toss it, turn it up.
1: I, I, I think it's just like a lot of these really challenging stories in the Bible, I think They need to be turned up, especially in the Christian context, where it's just like we. I I I think there are some really interesting, challenging things in here, that uh, you know, especially in North America, where yeah, as you said, we we are we are in the position of of oppressor more often. Well, especially like folks like ourselves, we tend to be. We are more in the oppressor. camp and so hearing these kind of stories and not shying away from them is is important i think and so yeah i think it's uh turn it up i mean once again i think a lot of these stories do best in context of conversation it might be difficult to do this in a sermon but uh unless you have like the right you know finesse with it but I think it's a good uh, one to have discussions
2: about. Yeah. So turn it up.
0: What about you, Charlie?
2: I mean, I I feel like the answer is almost always turn it up in the sense of uh, like virtually everything in the Bible when given its proper context, particularly historically, but uh, you know, historically, religiously. Scripturally, textually, uh, literarily—I mean, I just—I just feel like whenever we find ourselves scratching our uh, heads at the Bible, I forget—I forget. I forget uh, you know, it's, it's like one of the things that comes up in like creative writing instruction is like the difference between mystery and confusion, mm. uh, and the one being good and the other being bad. It's fine to, uh, it's fine as a writer of a screenplay or a story to create a sense of mystery. What you don't want is to create a sense of confusion. Right. And likewise, I think, um, I think it's, I think leaving ourselves uh, as readers of scripture with a feeling, with, with a profound sense of mystery, of, of, of deep ambiguity about what certain lessons of the Bible will mean mm-hmm. uh, you know this story i guarantee you uh, could be read by the like most fundamentalist israeli settler as the reason she should be in right, the west right. bank yeah. and by the most hardcore palestinian liberation like we need to drive out the oppressing army like they both could read the story of Ja'el, and see it as their story, and potentially be drawing with relatively equal legitimacy on the the different emphases and dynamics of of the story based so on. So you're
0: saying I should have invited Jess Solomon and Iman Hel- El husseini on the show together? <laughs> yes, like yeah. That would have You been. really,
2: you really blew it. I missed from a perspective. Now, <laughs> Yeah. But I, I guess I, I I just feel like yeah almost always uh, whenever you peel back the the bits that are left out of these stories it 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 almost always enriches the uh, the conversation and I just feel like uh, it's it's as with almost everything else in the Bible you get so much more out of it when instead of looking for what is the specific instruction for my life right now is what is this text giving me as a partner in discussion and something to wrestle with and something to, to take seriously enough in my life to, to actually engage it. Uh, So, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a brilliant story.
0: Yeah. And it's always, yeah, I I think you're right. And I mean, that's the whole reason the show exists is for that principle of like, like let's take these stories seriously. Let's like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I think the tendency that we've had is, and I'm an, an evangelical church person, but and I, and those are my people, and I love them, but we have had a tendency to boldlerize and to to sanitize the text that I think has been bad for us. I think it's led us further away from God rather than closer to God. And and uh, uh, Teddy, I'll let you. I'll ask you the same question because you've been contributing. Like, do you tame it, toss it, turn it up? What do you? Because I get the last word because it's my show. That's
3: my <laughs>
4: Well, I mean, I think it's never the right answer to tame it. Like, I I guess there's the part of me that there's still like, well, I don't always know, like, when to murder somebody. (laughs) Right. But I, but I also think that it's like, when, like, to be courageous and stand up for an oppressed people, right? Like, when you have the opportunity to step in and do something brave and um you know like I think that clearly I mean it was it was the right move in retrospect
0: (laughs) well and I think what so many times and I wonder like I have I should talk to my more educated women's studies friends about this in terms of like women's literature but so there seems to be a theme in the bible that when women show up it's for such a time as this it's just like like dudes can show up at at opportune times or inopportune times or just whenever we're just around but like the stories that we have about women in scripture tend to be them being like if i don't do something disaster comes right and and that's Esther, that's Jael, that's Mary, that's, you know, all of these stories that we have. And I find, I wonder if that's part of it too, is, is conveying to us that for people who historically have had fewer choices, this time we see them, like, making a risky choice. You know, like, I, I don't know. I wonder if that's part of the themes that we should be looking at as well. But I'm with you guys. I'm, a, I'm like, there's times when I'm like a... a and I and I gotta admit, Charlie, I'm not always a, a a turn it up person because like like last week with the story of Abraham and Isaac, there's part of me that there's definitely a part of me that wants to tame that story because I don't know what to do with it, right? Like uh-huh. I don't like that. I, I don't I don't like the questions that that story asks me to ask about morality and God and and submission and sacrifice and. And I think that God is intentionally putting me in that uncomfortable place, but I don't like going there. Like I get the instinct that, so, but this one, I definitely feel like I want to turn up mostly because I think oppressed people, uh, sorry, I think oppressor, powerful, oppressing people ought to be more afraid. And Hmm. I think we should be telling more stories where the powerful end up with their pomegranate heads Sprayed all over the inside of a tent because I don't think enough of them realize that that could happen to them. You know, I, I want the, you know, the Jeff Bezos the, the political leaders that will get me arrested. But like, I want some of our political leadership and the powerful people in our world today to be more afraid than they seem to currently be. Yes. But but that's uh, my uh, predisposition. So um, I'm going to call uh, an end right here. If you were only here for the Bible stuff, then uh, feel free to go. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here and being part of the uh, being part of holy shit. But I have very selfishly one question.